We had Big Ten football over the weekend. Nebraska is back. Back to just being the same old Nebraska. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, welcome into today's episode of Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, and thank you as always for making us your first listen every single weekday for everything that you need to know on any of your sports teams here at Locked On. Coming up on today's show, we're going to get into everything from over the weekend's games in the Big Ten. First, start by breaking down the stats and what happened in each affair between, of course, Northwestern and Nebraska. We'll have a long talk about that but also Illinois and Wyoming too. And then we'll get into what exactly this means for the future of the Cornhuskers. The rest of the season, Scott Frost, after a very disappointing loss to start the season, where are the expectations now for Nebraska? Let's start though by getting actually into the numbers of this thing as we start to recap each of these games. If you do want to see my initial reactions to the upset Northwestern getting over Nebraska as a double-digit underdog, you can actually go on the podcast feed wherever you're watching on YouTube right now too. I posted up a, a little just post-game pod. It's a lot, about 10 minutes, I think, just right after the game with my initial reactions to everything. So if you want to see a little bit of just all that stuff, you can check. I won't repeat everything that I said over there back again here. But I do have, of course, the numbers from the matchup in Ireland on the afternoon. Uh, first off, the biggest thing when you look at this box score is that neither team was going to be able to stop anybody. If the numbers, Casey Thompson, 355 yards, Ryan Holinsky, 314 yards, both those quarterbacks had at least 300 yards going into the fourth quarter. You put that on top of the running backs' performances, which were all three for each team, combining for 300 yards about, averaging all three of them, combining for uh, all of them, I think, yes, above five yards per carry, and each of them getting about 20 carries as well. That's three different guys who were able to run over the respective defenses on the other side. Nobody was stopping anybody. So for that reason... If Nebraska fans want to say, oh, well, maybe Northwestern is just good this year, that's not what we saw out there on the field in Ireland. No, it was much more, both these teams are kind of a mess right now, and Northwestern at the end of the game found a little bit more discipline. They were able to get the lead back for a second time, get the ball back with that lead, and then just hold on to it there at the very end. But you can see the difference between just where these two teams are at. And I'm not sure we'll talk about in a minute what it means for Scott Frost in the immediate or end of the year future. But at least for right now, I'll say it. I think that he has to be coaching thinking that he has no job and that he's coaching now to get the Nebraska job back. Because there were plenty of people, myself included, saying, hey, why is this guy here even to start this season? But you had a new offensive play caller. You had a whole lot of talent staying and transferring in, too. 
and you had a belief that maybe there could be some change in the way that things were being done over there in Lincoln. Maybe that's the most disappointing part of this if you're a Nebraska fan, is that while, yes, you lost the season opening game, and there were a lot of variables that went into that. You're playing in Ireland, you're going overseas and dealing with jet lag, and you had a whole lot of other stuff that could have gone right that didn't. And also, maybe Northwestern's just a good team. They've been known to do that after being a bad team recently. Anyway, if you're a Nebraska fan right now, it's not any of that that I think is really frustrating you all that much. I think that what frustrates you the most is that when you were watching this game, you realized that you were seeing the same thing unravel again that you had been seeing for the past four plus years now. The change you had been promised did not show up. Yes, maybe the offense looked different at first. And let's, again, give credit to Nebraska where it's due. In each, the beginning of this game and the beginning of the second half, the Cornhuskers were the better team. I mean, they looked pretty much throughout the 60 minutes. If you asked me, I would say, hey, who's the better team out there? It's no doubt Nebraska. Their offense was the best of any of the four units on the field, I think. But that defense is legitimately bad. And again, nobody was stopping anybody, which is why this thing was even close. But a 31-28 to final is not something I was thinking we'd see to open this Big Ten football season in Ireland. So that's something the Cornhuskers have to figure out. But at least right now, the morale has to be at close to an all-time low. Because this was not only a loss, but... It was the same loss that they've been seeing for years now. And it was also now here on maybe the biggest of stages Nebraska has been on since Scott Frost got there. Despite every single losing season that he has had, he had the hype going into this year. He had the game to at least start it on a high note. With everybody watching in week zero as you went overseas to do something that was much as much an event for the sport as it was a college football game in itself. And in that spectacle, the biggest, biggest thing that there was, aside from maybe the free beer, was Scott Frost blowing it yet again as his team looked to be the better team. But at the end of the day, you looked up at the scoreboard and saw the other team on top. I mean, we won't even, I haven't touched on the onside kick even yet. We'll get to that in a second. But at least if you look at what this team is and how they've started this season, you can't be sitting there if you're a Nebraska fan thinking anything other than, okay, here comes more of what I've seen for the past four years. They've got a shot to try and fix it. They've got a couple of shots to try and prove that they can be a good team here. But... It's not there yet. And at the very least, you should have been able to beat Northwestern. Yes, you were going overseas. Yes, it was the first game of the year. Yes, maybe Northwestern's just good, but I don't think that's what happened. I don't think the Wildcats are all that good at all. And if you're any but way decent, and you're in that Nebraska team, you want to be able to beat them in a pretty convincing manner. You want to be able to live up to the double-digit favorite that you were. They couldn't. And now we got to figure out what that means for Scott Frost. 
I have no idea what it means for Scott Frost, what it means going forward for Nebraska. We'll have that for you next segment. Also a note just on Illinois. I don't want to talk too much about that early game and win against Wyoming, but I mean, hey, they were two touchdown favorites, 11-point favorites, if, I think depending on where you look exactly where it ended at throughout the week. But the point is they were at a point where a lot of people were actually betting that Wyoming side. I mean, for a Power 5 team against a non-Power 5 conference, a two-touchdown spread isn't all that much. We'll get to some bigger ones here later on in the show when we get to opening lines for this week's games. So with that being a popular pick on an experienced Wyoming team, I mean, Tommy DeVito looked good. Chase Brown was outstanding, 150 yards he ended up having and a couple of touchdowns too. So if you're Illinois right now, you're feeling... I mean, to be fair, the way Nebraska fans were hoping they would be feeling after playing Northwestern, right? So you're feeling good going into this game against Indiana, another winnable game. Brett Mielma maybe has some momentum going his way. I could see easily that team going into Indiana and winning here this weekend to get to 2-0. We'll talk about that more later as well, too, though. But a solid win for Illinois. Not so great for Nebraska, but hey, Northwestern, give them the credit too. Even though everyone's going to be talking about Nebraska, ourselves included here on the show, Northwestern put together a team that won that football game, got gritty, came from behind two different times, and then at the end was, as I said, the more disciplined football team. Good on them, and you can't really expect anything different out of that team and what it's been known to do, even if it has had some not-so-great years as of late, too. All right, we're going to talk again about what this means for the future of Nebraska here in just a minute as we continue along here on Locked On Big Ten. But first, it can happen so easily. You're out with friends or co-workers or anybody, really. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too many. It's time for a go, or time to go, and for a moment, you think to yourself, well, maybe I should get a ride. But, you know, you are a good driver. You know where you're going. You can get there no problem. What's the worst that could happen anyway? Well, you could, of course, get a ticket. You could get in an accident. You could hurt somebody. Someone yourself or someone you love or, or even just someone going about their day. It's not only you that's up for grabs, of course, here when you take that risk. It's one of the stupidest mistakes you can make. Get sober, or drive sober, or get pulled over. It's the motto. Again, it only takes one mistake to change your life, someone else's, forever. Play it safe and plan to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, let's talk more on what this loss means for Nebraska, because I have absolutely no idea where to go from here. Again, this was a team that had an AP Top 25, be it just one vote, going into this game. A team that had Kirk Herbstreet on the day of saying he was picking the Cornhuskers to win the West, which maybe was just him trying to hype up the first week of the college football season. But there were people who legitimately thought this team was that good. As I said last week, with a loss here, those people are all gone. Nobody believes in Nebraska anymore. And again, it was the way you lost it that was just so tough. To be up two scores a couple of different times, and then go down and lose it. Let me just give you the numbers here on what exactly Nebraska did when it was up by one score in this game. So I took a look at all the drives and compiled the list of every drive where Nebraska had the ball and was leading by a possession. 
Now, Nebraska, two times, to its credit, when it was up a score, actually scored again to go up two times, or go up two scores here. Happened once in the first half, once in the second. When it happened in the first half, it was immediately followed by a blown coverage on defense, 40-plus yard touchdown for Northwestern in just four plays. Then the possession immediately after, Northwestern gives the ball back to Nebraska. Nebraska fumbles it away. All of a sudden, Northwestern leads at halftime. Then you had the drive in the second half. Northwestern was up, scored again to go up two scores. And then we have the decision that we've all been talking about since Saturday, the onside kick after that. Northwestern scores the touchdown on the short field after the onside kick fails, and we're back to a one-score game. Wildcats then take the lead, never give it back up again. And it gets to be one of the major disasters of Scott Frost's tenure here with Nebraska because of the stage and because of just the magnitude. In the postgame, he just straight up said, I called the onside kick. He said, I thought if we got it, we could put the game away. I don't know what kind of sense that makes. But at least for me right now, I'm looking at him saying, what are you thinking, man? Everybody was from the second it happened. Broadcasters during the game didn't understand it. We watching didn't understand it. It was something that, I mean, we would consider a rookie coaching mistake. To the degree at which I hate going in and saying that I know more than somebody who has a D1 coaching job. I, I would never suggest that I know the X's and O's better than Scott Frost. But this is one of those situations where like, even the guys who are yelling at the bar being like, I could have done better than that. You have to look at him and be like, yeah, well, he'd be right on this one. It was that kind of a big bonehead move to make. And I have no idea why Scott Frost would make that decision. He seems to obviously be regretting it too, but it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, we're in our fifth year of doing this. And in the first game of the season, you're going to pull this. It's not even just a lack of maybe even coaching decision-making. It's a lack of awareness, a lack of who you are as what you're doing at your, at your job. I, I mean, does he think he's, Got the security to be able to be pulling off an onside kick week one that could potentially cost you and did cost you this game? Like, how can he think that, oh, you know what Nebraska fans would love right now? If I, Scott Frost, tried an onside kick up two possessions. It doesn't make sense. And I cannot wrap my head around why he would try it, given the history of what he's been with that team and the opportunity he had to at least start off without falling flat on his face here in the first week of the season. He tried to do too much. And now he's in a position where if you ask me, this is something that he has to try and again win back. I do not think that there's a position where he just coasts to another year at this job. He's going to have to prove in some sort of major way that he has this team back on the right track. But I don't even know what that is. Like, if you're a Nebraska fan right now, what can Scott Frost do to have you back on the bandwagon? You beat Oklahoma? Maybe. But that seems very unlikely. If you just are beating teams like Purdue and Minnesota, 
even if you get a couple of those wins, is like five and seven good enough? Is six and six a bowl game good enough to keep this guy's job at this point? I mean, he's had it until now, so I don't know how much I can question things, but at least for the moment, I'm a little bit at least confused as to how much longer he can stay as the head coach and can be confident that he is doing something where he's building something for the future of his career or Nebraska. I don't know. That's at least my thoughts on what may happen. I don't know when. I don't know if Nebraska is going to try and fire a coach mid-season or what, but it's not pretty. We do, of course, want to get to the rest of the news around the Big Ten from over the weekend. So just real quickly before we wrap up, I will get to that here on Locked On Big Ten. A first thing, review of betting from over the weekend. My picks from last week, 0 for 2 in the Northwestern Nebraska game. I picked the Cornhuskers in the under. Couldn't have been more wrong. I was wrong about just about everything that was going to happen in that game. If you want to listen back to that preview podcast from late last week, I did pick Illinois minus the points against Wyoming. That was different from Matt Sheehan, so I did get at least one right here in our first week. Uh, Opening lines are also out from Bet Online for the week one matchups. I'll go over them here. Penn State's a three and a half point favorite at Purdue. Minnesota's 36 and a half points against New Mexico State. Michigan State's minus 22 against Western Michigan. Indiana is minus three against Illinois. Michigan's minus 30 against Colorado State. Rutgers is a seven point underdog at Boston College. And Ohio State's minus 17 and a half against number five, Notre Dame. That's just how good these people in Vegas think these uh, Buckeyes are. Celebration for the Big Ten Network. They're 15 years old this week. Congratulations to everyone over at BTN, of course. And we have our first Big Ten Football Awards of the week given out. Again, just three teams in play. But Ryan Holinsky and Chase Brown shared Offensive Player of the Week honors. We mentioned it was Holinsky who threw for a total of 314 yards by it was at the end of the game. And then 151 yards rushing for Chase Brown. He was unstoppable against Wyoming. The defensive player of the week was Cameron Mitchell. Had a defensive or had an interception in the fourth quarter against Nebraska for Northwestern in Ireland. And special teams player of the week, the star punter Luke Akers for Northwestern, put on a show in the national spotlight in his punts and made, of course, the Big Ten very proud. As we take pride in our punting over here in Big Ten country. A Big Ten weekend review and just any other sports, again, reeling through really quickly the start of the season for soccer, volleyball, a whole lot of really good teams in action. It was a rough weekend on the volleyball court for Big Ten teams. Number 7 Ohio State lost twice to number 2 Texas Friday and Saturday. Number 17 Illinois lost to number 9 Georgia Tech. And number 3 Wisconsin lost to number 16 Baylor over the weekend too. In women's soccer, number 20 Ohio State fell as well. They fell to number 9 BYU. In the men's soccer, number 13, Indiana, played the number one team in the country, Clemson, and lost in a close one, though. Final score, 3-2, Hoosiers competing. Number 21, Penn State, lost 1-0 to unranked Syracuse. And number 20, Maryland, tied 1-1 with Liberty. Not a great week for the three ranked men's soccer teams. 0-2-1 in those matchups. On today's Big Ten schedule, just a couple of top 25 matchups to tell you about. Of course, not on the football field. Uh, Number one Northwestern in field hockey is on the road at number 25 UMass. And Michigan State men's soccer is hosting 
number four Notre Dame in a big matchup for the Spartans in East Lansing. That's a look around all of the sports around the Big Ten here from over the weekend, from here today as we get into the season. I'm not sure how much we're going to try and highlight, of course, at least the schedule for other sports when we have like big, big top 25 matchups. And we had some big ones over the weekend in volleyball there. So I don't know how much we'll get into doing that every single weekday here. I feel like I could get repetitive with it, but when there's big stuff going on, I do want to just at least try and do my best to stay on top of things. So I'm trying to experiment and tinker on to how exactly to best get into what's most important in those sports outside of when we're talking football all the time here on the show during the meet of things. So if you want to, of course, follow us on Twitter. Locked on Big Ten is where to go in between the show to stay updated on everything going on in the conference. It's one zero, not T-E-N at the very end there on Locked on Big Ten. That's where you get your podcasts, YouTube, and on Twitter as well. All that spelling there. I'm at Nate with Sports, Nate Dickinson. We'll be back tomorrow with more on anything that happens around the Big Ten, of course. Until then, again, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On.